Hello, everybody. Michael Lombardo here. Welcome to Awaken Podcast. You can find out more about our ministry by going to www.lifeportoutintl.org. Um, this show, Awaken Podcast, streams on the Charisma Podcast Network. Every Monday and Thursday, there is a new episode. So if you're new to the show, we have guests from all over the world. Tune in with me, sharing about the word of the Lord, what is on their heart, what God's doing in their ministry, amazing testimonies of the Lord Jesus, really to challenge you, encourage you, inspire you to walk out your life in faith, radical for the kingdom of God. And then we also have some shows. My wife joins me and we dive into deep subjects and I have teaching episodes, um, usually every other week where I break down scripture and some revelation that the Lord showed me or shared aspects and testimonies from my own life. And so I'm very grateful. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am excited for my guest here today. Uh, Before I introduce him, I want to go ahead and share a scripture that I really believe is the heart of what we're going to be sharing today and in line with what we're sharing. And so it's Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. So Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. I'm reading out of the NASB, the New American Standard Bible. This is King David, and he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. I love that. Bless the Lord and forget none of his benefits. He pardons all of your iniquities. He heals all of your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. He satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. It is so important for us to not forget, to continually remind ourselves of the beautiful benefits of Jesus Christ and being a son of God, the beautiful benefits of the finished work of Christ, everything that he's accomplished for us, blessed with every spiritual blessing, everything the scripture says we can have, we can have, and we can walk in. And so we can continually remind ourselves of the truth, remind ourselves of the word of God so we could walk in these benefits. There's forgiveness, there's healing, there's salvation, and there's so much more. He crowns us with his goodness. He renews our youth. And so we're going we're gonna to get into this today, and my guest, he's a pastor, his name is Glenn Berteau, and he's an evangelist, a teacher, an author. He's a senior pastor of The House Modesto, which has more than 11,000 members and is highlighted by um, Outreach Magazine as the second fastest growing church in America. Glenn and his wife, Deborah, have three children, seven grandchildren, and live in California. Thank you so much, Glenn, for joining me on the show today. It's great being with you, Michael. Great. Awesome. Thank you so much. And so um, I always like to ask my guests before we dive into the content and really get to the meat of what we're going to share today. How did you first encounter the Lord? How did he first awaken your heart? When I, how I first got saved? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, wow. Well, I was raised in, uh, I was born in New Orleans and uh, all my cousins are down in New Orleans in the South and Cajuns. Berto's an old French Cajun name. Mm-hmm. So grew up in Baton Rouge, <clears throat> played, uh, high school football scholarship to a football scholarship, Louisiana tech, um, won two national championships there. The reason I tell you that is that I was not necessarily raised in church. Uh, never read a Bible in my life. (laughs) Yeah. And it was in my freshman year that there was a preacher's kid that also signed a football scholarship that wanted to look me up. Uh, and I was, I was five of the best players in the state at that time. And he wanted to meet me, and he just came up first day, and he asked me if I was saved. And sure. I said, from what? <laughs> I didn't know what it was saved from what. What, yeah. what do you mean, saved from what? Never heard that. He said, are you born again? I said, I don't even understand what you're saying. You know. Mm-hmm. And so 
he he really he, God really laid my heart on really on him to pray for me and to go after me and stuff and and what happened is is it took uh, almost three years into my junior year uh, the Lord started really convicting me at night and just looking at my life and it was like is this the way life is it's just a mundane mundane life in the mm-hmm. sense of you do everything the same every week. Okay, you go out and you drink, and then you get drunk, and then you go, okay, and then you play, and then you go to school, you do whatever. And uh, I became really dissatisfied, and I really was convicted at night. And I actually took a trip to hell the night before I was saved, which could be another program we could talk about. But <laughs> wow. I actually, uh, in, in the, as I slept the night before, I never had a dream and all this, but I went to hell. And our football buddies, 20 of us were going down to a party, driving down to a beach. We wrecked in my car and it flipped. It caught on fire, hit a tree and it burst in the flames. Next thing I'm, I'm, I'm in this light. I feel that I see this light and I'm looking around and I see a man standing in front of a gate and I'm assuming I'm in heaven. I said, wow, this is great. This is beautiful. The person standing in front of the gate's got his arms folded and he's not smiling and he's looking at me and he goes, who are you? I said, well, I'm Glenn Berto. He goes, well, I don't, I don't know who you are. I said, what do you mean you don't know who I am? You know, I, I, I gave him my football name. I gave him all these names. Trying to see, do you know yeah. this one? You know <laughs> yeah. this one? He uh-huh. goes, no, I don't know you. <clears throat> I said, well, do you know this guy, Denny? And I mentioned Denny, who had been witnessing me. He goes, oh, yeah, I know him, but I don't know you. I said, what do you mean? He said, you never accepted me. He said, you never heard what I said to you. You never heard what I spoke to you. I said, well, Lord, and any of us would say, well, God, if you were speaking to me, surely I would listen. He said, no, I spoke to you through a guy named Denny. Hmm. He said, I used him. Did he not say my word says? That was me talking. It was just his voice, but that was me talking, and you didn't listen. Hmm. I said, so are you meaning I'm not going to be able to go in? And he just said the word depart. All of a sudden, it was like a trap door opened up. I went from utter light. I mean, bright light to pitch black and I'm falling. I remember moving my hand in front of my face uh, and could see anything, just black. But you, I'm feeling I'm in a free fall and I'm feeling heat. Uh, I'm feeling a burning come. And I got to the point where my skin started melting off of me and I felt I was ready to die. And right before that, I woke up. Wow. I woke up, I'm in my bed and I'm saying, I'm thinking, God, what a crazy dream. Then I realized my t-shirt I had on was wet. My yeah. hair was sopping wet. Mm-hmm. Uh, my body was wet. I went over to my little sink over there with my mirror and I turned the light on and I looked and I had heat burns on my face, uh, on my face as if hot wind had been hitting my face. And the first thing I said, there's a hell and I'm going there. Wow. It was real. Mm-hmm. And I, and I was, I, I think that was the first time, you know, because in the world, people that are listening in the world, they think hell's a party place. <laughs> no, it's just one big barbecue yeah, and you're going to sure. be on the, on the grill. So, yeah. And I didn't, I never really assumed or, you know, in the world, I never thought there was a, you know, a, a hell in that kind of a sense. Everybody's going to heaven. Everybody preaches they're going to heaven. Everybody gets die. You go to funerals. Everybody gets preached to heaven. <clears throat> and I realized I was going to hell. And then the next night I knelt down in my dormitory room and uh, just prayed a simple prayer. And I felt, 20 years of stuff I've done. I just, I don't know. I just, I didn't even know a scripture. I just felt things lift off of me. I had mm. tears coming out of my eyes and I wasn't crying. I just had tears as if I was cleansed. 
Yeah. And it was it was a it was an experience that I was changed from that day to this day and never went back. I was utterly changed. Wow. Amazing. I just love that scripture that keeps popping up in my mind is Jude where it talks about have mercy on some, but he says some snatch from the flames. And it's, you know, yeah. I just love the Holy Spirit. He, he ministers to all of us in different ways. He gives us exactly what we need. You know, it's a goodness of God, the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. But at the same time, it's also God's goodness and his kindness that would show us our depravity and our condition and that we need him and that there is an afterlife reality and there is a choice to be made. And I just feel like, well, thank you so much for sharing your story. It says you're an evangelist here. I love that you're talking about the reality of not just heaven, but hell, just because, you know, it's, it's rare to hear people talk about this nowadays. You know, everyone's trying to be seeker sensitive and we try to talk about the good stuff, which is great. But at the same time, we need the full counsel of God and we need to be able to, you know, the apostle Paul said the fear of the Lord urged him and compelled him to reach the lost. And so this is absolutely crucial. Well, yeah, Michael, you're an evangelist, man. You're you're preaching like crazy. Yeah, I, you know what? I what, you know I was saved out in the world. Yeah, that's why. That's why we're not the lights of the church. Mm-hmm. We're the lights of the world. We become the lights of the church. Wow. But mm-hmm. we're we're to be the lights of the world at my church. On the signs going out of the church, it says you're now entering the harvest field. Mm. The harvest field's not in the church. All the church is the gas station. <laughs> do you turn your power off and your motor off at the gas station? Sure you do, because yep. you don't need it there. Yeah, you only need it when you come in and when you leave. Yeah, that's you know your kids. You get out in the parking lot and you're, you're slapping your kids, yelling at your kids. Well, <laughs> that's where the devil's fighting you. He's not fighting you in church. Yeah. So you got to realize we got to be the lights of the world, and there's wow. so many guys like me still out there that we got to get out of the church and tell people about it. So I. I love seeing people saved and, and getting people saved. And that's where really was built that church. Awesome. Awesome. And the greatest miracle of all, we love healings. We love signs and wonders, but the greatest miracle of all is when a heart awakens to the Lord Jesus and, you know, people, you know, encounter him and experience true eternal life, knowing him and their, and their afterlife is secure, but they also have the presence of God and the goodness of God in their everyday life here on earth. And so that's awesome. And, you know, you share about in your book, um, you wrote a book called Why Am I Not Healed? A very enticing title. When I saw it, I wanted to look into it more. I'm like, I got I to gotta find out about this man's ministry and what he's saying here in this book. We're going to be discussing that today. And, you know, as you were writing this book, soon after you finished this book, you suffered a cardiac arrest in the parking lot of your church and died. So there was a near-death experience and you got through it and you're here today and you're telling the story. I, I would love to hear, like, what? how, how did this happen? How'd you get through it? Well, um, what happened is my wife had, we have a Monday night prayer meeting at our church and I, on Sunday, and, and now I know why I was really tired on Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, cause I was getting ready to die the next day, but I didn't mm-hmm. know that. Mm-hmm. And, but here, here I was on Sunday and I was worn out on Monday. There was a, a the prayer meeting, and, but it, the, it was a special prayer meeting because they were going to do a, a birthday party for my wife. Her birthday was coming up in the next four days or whatever. And I would have normally sat home. I would have just been in my chair, sitting home and said, okay, you go, let me rest tonight. I'm really tired. And I didn't, I normally would not have gone. My wife would have found me two or three hours later, sitting in a chair dead when she got home from a prayer meeting, because uh-huh. I'd have been by myself. I drive in the car, I go with my wife to the meeting there. We're going to, and the meeting's on the other side of the church, but we parked by a lobby or something to, and she needed to get ready for some things. And then we're going to drive around to the other side to a birthday party. We're there a little early. 
I walked out of the lounge about a minute before her and went and sat in the car to drive around to the other side of church. I went and sat down, and when she got into the car, my head was leaning back on the seat with my eyes closed. She goes, come on, Glenn, we've got to go. Let's go. we got to get over to the party. we got to go ahead. And, I, of course, I, I had died, Michael. I was mm. dead right there. Wow. Uh, I, uh, I didn't feel anything. Cardiac arrest is like a light switch. It's different than a heart attack. I've had the heart attack thing, been through that, too. The cardiac arrest is just it's, you're, you're alive and then you're dead that quick. It, wow. it is nothing. You don't even know it. Mm. And I'm laying in the car dead. And she thinks I'm joking because it was just so quick. She just saw me walk out. She comes yeah. around the car there, starts shaking. She said, Glenn, if you don't wake up, said, I'm going to call 911. As she's shaking me, I'm, I'm dead. I'm gone. I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm pale. And she starts panicking some. Here's one of the miracle angels here. There were so many angel miracles in the thing. Of, of This just you know, you'd say, well, that's a coincidence now. Mm-mm. This was yeah. placed there. The one person, there, here's a nurse practitioner in our church. Uh, what we didn't know, Michael, is that she was a cardiac arrest nurse for over 20 years, out of all things, <laughs> wow. from Canada, and get and moves to Modesto, California, from Canada of, of, to get a job. Mm-hmm. She's new to our church. She's in a prayer meeting. She she never gets off of work early. She comes early. Uh, she didn't want to go, but her husband said, I'm going to meet you up there to the prayer meeting. So she just drives straight on up. She gets there two parking places away from me when Debbie is <laughs> shaking me. Wow. And, and she gets out of the car and she hears Debbie saying, Glenn, wake up, Glenn, wake up. Then she says, the Lord told her, go over. You can help pastor go over there to the car. She said she comes over. I've got on video and all this. She touches. She's feeling my pulse in my neck. She says, you were dead. You have no pulse. Mm-hmm. You were put, you were totally, you had no color. You were dead. You were lifeless. Your spirit was gone. Yeah. I pulled you out of the car. Of course, she's an expert in this starts to CPR. She starts to CPR. And she said, within five minutes here, you know, you're gone. There's nothing. There. There's no sign of life. I knew you wasn't there. I've done this so many times, you know, she's done it over 20 years. I can tell somebody that's hopeful, whatever, there's nothing there. But then all of a sudden the Lord says, take your hands off of him. I took my hands off of you. He said, you threw your hands up in the air, opened your eyes and said, oh God. And then you fell back and died again. Uh, And he said, but what that did, it gave me hope that said your your spirit was not there, but I felt your spirit went back in Mm. and that you were alive and that we got to keep working. Interesting. Okay. So then the paramedics come and they got there 10 minutes late. So she continued this 10 minutes for 30 minutes. The paramedics then put the machine on my chest, shock whole thing. I died six times with the paramedics as I was laying there. And outside, there's a crowd coming to the prayer meeting. They're just standing there watching me really getting shocked. And, you know, and, and the uh, compressor that there's a machine they put on you. It was breaking all my, broke all my ribs and my chest and, and sternum and everything. Uh, that went, so that was 40 minutes, 45 minutes before they could get me over to the hospital, which is really only across the street. Put me in the hospital. I died the eighth time in the hospital, so they couldn't keep me alive there. So I wasn't alive trying to die. I was dead trying to live. Mm -hmm. I was already dead. And so I died the eighth time over there, which is ironic. Eight in in the Bible means resurrection. (laughs) Eight in the Bible means new birth out of all things. Yeah, wow. Uh, They put me in a room, and I was... They didn't even work on me for a period of time because I was not a priority person because I was already dead. Yeah. 
even if I lived, I was totally brain dead by the amount of time that I didn't have oxygen. So everything. Then I had a B-fib heartbeat, which is the worst heartbeat you can have where you die from that. Already I was modeling in my coming up from my feet, which is a purplish reddish uh, marble color when, you're, when your body is dying and it's not getting oxygen. I'm marbling in death already. On a mm. Glasgow coma scale, which some people listening know some of these things, a three is where you start and you go to 15 in three areas. You start at one, which is a three in three areas. And they look at brain activity, eye movement, stuff like this, just to see your brain. I'm at a three. I'm dead or totally brain dead when I go in. So they didn't even put a nurse on me, didn't do anything, just laid me in a room for a period of time because they had other people they felt they could say. I don't know how I lived, Michael, in, during that time at all or how yeah. I was even alive. But, I mean, God was just the hand of God, you yeah. know, apparently there. They wouldn't let my wife back or nothing during that time, anything. The only reason I know this is the nurse from my church got back there in the emergency room and he said, I found your room where you were at. And I looked at your chart and it said you were dead. You weren't even, you weren't alive. I opened your door and nobody was working on you. And they had other people, eight people ahead of you that they felt was more important to save their life because you had too many issues and you weren't going to make it. Um, I'm in the hospital, of course, calling my family, tell my daughter from Florida to bring a funeral dress uh, to your dad's funeral. Zero uh, percent wow. to live. Uh, if I live, totally brain damaged. If I did live, functions, my, my, my kidneys would never work again, bladder never work again. It was the worst prognosis you could ever wow. really hear in a sense. I'm in the hospital. My wife, after two days, listen to this, Michael. She says, God, give me a scripture. I need a scripture. Uh, and she wakes up at 5, 4.35 in the morning, she says, and she gets, I am the resurrection and the life. <laughs> Though you die, you will live. So good. Okay. Well, she gets this, wakes up, and then she goes, let me look where that's at. I can't remember where that's at. Well, she finds, it's a Lazarus story. It's in John 11. said about oh, Lazarus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. John eleven twenty five. Yep. I died eleven twenty five. is <laughs> oh, when I died. Wow. It was November 25th. Uh-huh. So I'm dead. Lazarus comes alive on the fourth day. I open my eyes on the fourth day. The scriptures are 16 scriptures in Lazarus. I get out on the 16th day. They release me from the hospital. Wow. Uh, after they said he would probably live, after they took, uh, I was in a coma. I was paralyzed. I, had, I was on a respirator. I, I was on everything that you could imagine. And uh, once they realized they're going to live, then they met with my family and they told them that he's going to be brain dead. He's going to be on a feeding tube. He's not going to recognize you. He's been, been without oxygen too long. Uh, when I did wake up, I had total memory. I remembered my kids. I remember the, I know the, the New Orleans Saints were playing, I think, in the playoffs. And I asked what the score was. I missed the game. <laughs> I, I don't know what praise, happened. Praise so, God. Wow. Yeah. What, ha- what happened? Did the Saints win? <laughs> yeah. Wow. But, but. Yeah, I came out of it, and, and they were questioning my memory. They knew that I had brain damage, and I was answering their questions. And we just – everything was, Michael, we cannot – We this does not make sense. Yes. We can't explain it. Uh, my kidneys now were on – I was on total dialysis. My kidneys were done. They said you're going to need a kidney transplant. Your, your kidneys are shot for the rest of your life. I'm off of the kidneys uh, on dialysis. In three weeks out of the hospital, my kidneys have healed totally. Which kidneys Amazing. like eyesight and hearing usually doesn't come back. Usually, what you lose, you don't get it back. Yeah, uh-huh. I totally healed up. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, my bladder was destroyed. It was damaged. That has healed up. I was on a catheter. That has healed up. And uh, amazing. It, it's just a miracle, bro. It's just a miracle what God did. Utterly miraculous through and through. Just the hand of God, his tangibility, the testimony of the Lord Jesus. So you write this book, Why Am I Not Healed? And this this book is about divine healing and walking in divine health and divine healing and, you know, God's heart for healing. And then all this happens to you. That is, well, that's incredible. Yeah. Well, exactly. Here I write a book. It, you, you, you will never, maybe in your lifetime ever, get a book where a guy writes on healing and miracles. He dies. And then everything he wrote in the book is what people did to bring him back. <laughs> wow. This, this is, it, it, you know, so I, I yeah. wrote about how I'm to be healed and how I'm to receive a miracle is uh-huh. what I wrote about. Sure. Yeah. Didn't know that I'm writing about use what I wrote to bring me back. Wow. <laughs> That's the thing. Wow. And uh, I tell you, now, now, if you want to hear something interesting, because people want to say, Michael, as you know, did you see Jesus? Did you, did you hover above your body during the operation? Did you? You sure? Yeah, and, all the questions. Uh, of course, I made stories up that I saw him, but I really didn't. <laughs> I didn't see Jesus. But I'm going to tell you what I did see that you haven't heard. I, I went in a room of death. I didn't know where I was, but I went in a pitch black room. And I'm sitting in a room that you can't see anything. And I'm, I'm telling you now, I was in a room of death and the spirit of death was in the room. I'm mm. sitting there and it's pitch black. And I'm, it's kind of that feeling, you know, other people in the room, you just kind of perceive that. And then across from me, Michael, there's a door and I can see on the other side in the creases of the door, there's a light on the other side of that door. I see a figure pacing back and forth because I can see the figure blinking when they walking past that door. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of a sudden I start hearing this roar of noise, a sound, this roar on the other side of the door. I start listening and it gets a little clearer. I hear my wife pray. Uh, she's an intercessor. She has an intercessory team to hundreds of people. I hear, I hear my church praying. Mm-hmm. I hear pastor friends around the world praying. I'm hearing a demand put on death. Now, hear what I'm about to say. There's a demand that was put on death. Let him go. It's not his time. God's not through with him. Wow. Uh, he is not to die. Get him out. And you know, then I see this figure pacing faster back and forth. There was just a, there was not like, oh, let the Lord's will be done. No, it was a matter of, of a warfare in the spiritual realm that says death, you cannot hold him. And what happened is, is all of a sudden the speaker came over and said, you've got to get out of here. I can't take this anymore. You've got to get out. Uh-huh. And I came out wow. and, and, and I said, well, God, and, and when I had this, I said, God, I don't understand. What are you saying? I said, because the Bible says the Hebrews is appointed on the man wants to die. Then the judgment. Yes. And I was dead. He mm-hmm. goes, Glenn, how long has been? Uh, well, um, he said, you ask your son to mow the front yard, mow the backyard, then you're going to have dinner. What time's dinner? Well, <laughs> I, I don't really know until he, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. He said, how long is when? How long is when? When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I act like a child, but when I grew up, what's the age you grow up then? When is that? Mm-hmm. And he said, so, so there's not a certain time on that. He said, death is different than dead. Yeah. Death is a spirit. And Jesus, and the Lord's telling me this, that Jesus took the sting out of death. 
He didn't take it out of hell in the grave. He sure. took it out of death. Mm-hmm. And so, so there was an ability to pray for this spirit of death. And as you know, spirit of death causes divisions, causes racism, causes uh, hate, causes drug at, drug mm-hmm. wars. That's yep. what that's what it does. Mm-hmm. And so, I said, well, well, well. You know, I said, I don't understand. How did the prayers help with that? He says, because only those with authority are heard in the spiritual realm. Yep. He said, death will not hear anything other than people with authority. That's why some can't move mountains. Yeah. They mm-hmm. don't understand there's got to be an authority, which basically is you having to weather the anointing is you get the anointing right away, but authority is earned. You do, sure. you got to earn authority. You got to yeah. walk through some things in your life. You got to get back up again. You got to keep going to get that kind of authority. So mm. the Lord says to me, He said, "Well, let me give you a story, Glenn." He goes, oh, "You know the Bible." He goes, "So let's take the seven sons of Siva." He says, "Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. But who are you?" I said, "Okay." He said, "Most of the churches, most of the churches, who are you? <laughs> Demons don't even know yeah. who they are, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and and because they don't serve, they don't give." They complain. They come every once in a while. There's no real commitment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then when they want a miracle and they want something big, uh, they pray and ask. They said, I don't know why God didn't answer. You are who are you? They don't have to hear you. Mm. You've got to get some people in authority. Number Another thing I realized is that my blood relatives always will be like your family is what I'm talking about. Your immediate family are always going to have the most power in praying because they have the most invested in a sense. And, and most connection to you as a family member. Mm-hmm. That's why you're. The, that's why the devil's trying to destroy the family structure so much, because the family also, if they're together with God and prayer, there. So so here's my three kids are in the ministry. So now I got my daughter here that sings. She's. I, I got a video of her laying. You know, uh, uh, singing about miracles on my chest with a with a thing mm. singing here. Yeah, uh, I've got you know my other preacher kids here that are praying that know how to touch God. Yeah, and that was a key thing uh, I believe in my miracle. Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. It's such a powerful story, and it reminds me. I love you know how God was speaking to you through John eleven. I've got a lot of history with John eleven, and God spoke to me a lot through it. And one of my first missions trips, I was in Thailand, Laos, and Malaysia. I went to Indonesia, and we were preaching the gospel and communist countries and smuggling Bibles. It was powerful, but I was in a little church in Thailand with one of my spiritual mothers and I preached on Lazarus about Jesus being the resurrection and the life. And just to make a long story short, there was this woman that had to be in her eighties um, in, and we were doing altar ministry and I was praying for the sick and praying for people. And this woman starts seizing and she's on the ground, seizing, shaking violently and um and then she she breathes out and then we went up to her people went up to her they checked her pulse and they said she was dead there they were talking in their language but they said no she has no pulse and i remember i was only saved two or three years at that point and i looked at my teacher like what do you want me to do almost scared like what what in the world and my teacher looked at me and she said pray for pray for and um that's what we did just begin to declare the word of god over her that she would live and not die and declare the glory of the lord and speak in scriptures that he the, the you know the resurrection and life the message that we had just preached on the resurrection and life and the whole church exploded in praise and and declaration prayer and just thanking god for breakthrough and i can't tell you it seemed like 20 minutes to me personally but it was like probably 5 or 6 minutes of just prayer over this woman and breath came back to her and she wound up standing up we we got her on a chair and we wound up, yeah, she wound up like coming, coming back too. And the whole place erupted in praise. There was banners, people were singing, dancing, shouting. It turned into a praise service at the end. 
And so like just seeing the goodness of God, the resurrection power of God, this is real and it's happening um, in our midst, you know, not just in other parts of the world where people are apparently seeing the miraculous, but here in America, when people stand together in faith, in authority, believing the scriptures, we can see miraculous things. And so I have a, you know, I want to, I want to get into this question, you know, before we end the broadcast, I want to get into this question. So let's lay, let's lay uh, a quick foundation of healing and and then I want to I want to ask you a question that I think is is heavily it's on everyone's heart regarding this subject. Just give us a little foundation here for the Word of God and healing. Well, that's why I wrote the book. I, I don't know if we can go ahead and ex- the, every chapter and oh, sure. people that have read it, Michael, have mm-hmm. have just said to me that this has been so helpful. Yeah, because see, I, I I have I have coronary artery disease. I have five stents in my heart. I almost died maybe five other times. My daughter deals with rheumatoid arthritis for 27 years. She's wow. totally handicapped. Mm. My, um, uh, you know, uh, my sister, she, she passed away and died of ovarian cancer at 35 years of age. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is this is not a pastor or somebody that has not weathered or been through sickness, yes. seen it in his family, and then coming out of it. Uh, I, so I'm saying this is one of the most puzzling questions I think that every human being has especially those that really know the, the scripture and uh, uh, why am I not healed? Because God promises that there's all kinds of areas in life. I mean, God definitely wants to, wants to heal your body, but mostly heal your soul. Mm-hmm. He wants you saved before he wants to heal your body. Why have a healed body and go to hell? Mm-hmm. God doesn't want to do that. God wants to make sure that you're number one, I mean, it gets into forgiveness. I, I put, you know, one of the things I have never seen uh, that someone has spoken of, I, uh, most people will say, Michael, that you don't have enough faith is why you didn't get healed. Yeah, faith you hear that. This. Mm-hmm. There's 17 reasons I put in the book of why people are not healed. 17. There's yeah. different reasons that we don't even understand. And mm-hmm. then again, I think it really is going to come down to only God knows in some situations, because why am I sitting here talking to you where someone else had a cardiac arrest and somebody's listening, their husband or their wife didn't make it, you know, how is he living or not? I think that's now one day I know God told me when my sister passed, he said, and I was really upset, mad at God, because I hear I was in a ministry and God, could you not do this? And he said, I'll explain it to you. And it'll make sense one day. He said, mm-hmm. just trust me. It's okay. Absolutely. He said, when you get here, it, it'll make sense. But uh, they're, they're, the whole book deals with that. There are declarations in the book that's, that's going to help. So, I, and what's happening, too, Michael, what's really good, people are buying maybe four or five of these because they know people that are sick. This is a very common issue that people are puzzled about. I was very puzzled about it. It gets into also a crown. Who would think a crown has something to do with you walking through an illness or sickness? And the Bible specifically speaks in Revelation of the devil wants to steal your crown. Mm-hmm. And your crown is your reward for being faithful and staying disciplined and walking with God. You're, God's going to be going to have crowns. The Bible says you're going to cast your crowns before his feet. That's right. He's going to wear crowns in Revelation 19 when he comes back, all the crowns, which are showing that we conquered while we're here on earth mm-hmm. and we get a crown and the devil's going to. Uh, going to pay for it one day by Jesus coming back. Amen. Uh, It's so many different areas that it deals with because I want to, even as healing God's will today, is it, is is it, is healing God's will. 
and, mm-hmm. and there's so many different areas that deal with so many different aspects of this. I try to cover it in each of the chapters of different areas yes. that will minister mm-hmm. to you, help you. And, uh, and, and, and uh, I believe it's really where we need to understand that Jesus is our second opinion on whatever doctors say. Mm-hmm. I thank my doctors. I've got them in my church. I love them. They're great but I've got another doctor that has a second opinion that can do the impossible. <laughs> Absolutely. So basically what, what, what I have, I'm back here, Michael, I, I believe two, two reasons God brought me back. Number one is, is, uh, he wants me to remove some, uh, grave clothes. Uh, mm-hmm. as you know, Lazarus, when he came out of the tomb, he couldn't remove his grave clothes. Matter yeah. of fact, when he was wrapped in the tomb, he couldn't pray. He wasn't asking for the healing. He was dead. Mm-hmm. When I was dead, I couldn't ask for a healing. I couldn't pray. I wasn't able to. I need other people to do that. We need to help other people remove their grave clothes. We've got to do that. And number two is, uh, I believe that God wants to wants to bring back or or multiply signs and wonders, miracles back to the church again. Yes. Uh, I, we don't hear this story that I'm giving you in America, West, you know, in the, in the Western world kind of a thing. We hear something overseas every once in a while, like, wow, that's amazing. But to have somebody here, he's a pastor, we know who this guy is, and, and he goes through this, and then, then this is us here. We're in America, and this is a real story. This brought more faith of people that commented, more faith to people of seeing and hearing what took place, where they got back to God. They started believing for their healing, believing for their miracle. There's some things that do have to change in us. I mean, you're going to have to get rid of your sin. You've got to get rid of unforgiveness. Like I said, there's a lot of barriers that block us. Least we can do is remove all of those to mm-hmm. allow God to freely come in and touch us. I believe that. Amen. That's That's powerful. And this is you know, I want to I want to really hone in here to to minister to those who are listening because there's thousands of people that listen to the podcast and I know that, you know, I even just feel in my heart right now there are people that are struggling with perpetual sicknesses. Um, you know, the fear of getting sick, especially with COVID-19 and not just that, but you know, cancer and all these different things that run in their family. And, you know, um I just believe there's people listening that they believe God's able but they're but they're not 100% confident that he's willing. Just like the leper that approached Jesus in the scriptures and he says, "Lord, like if you are willing, you can make me clean." He knew and had confidence that the Lord had the ability to make him clean. He just didn't know that the Lord was willing, and the Lord responded, "I am willing," and healed him. I just feel like that's our struggle. Our struggle isn't believing he can, it's believing that he will and he wants to. And so, I would love for you to just speak into that and just give hope to those who are listening and then Possibly close it out with a time of prayer, just to bless the people. Pray for them as we close out the podcast today. Yeah, this, this is a time I think for everybody listening. And, and Michael, thank you for the opportunity to just share hope. Yep. And, and, I, and I pray that you'll just continue to uh, to grow in numbers mm-hmm. uh, because you know what you you have a great message. And just hearing your talk, you've got a lot of depth in the word. And and I, mm-hmm. I appreciate you know what you're doing well, and, you. and how you're doing it too. Uh, there, there's just, um, they're, they're hurting people everywhere. You, you know, what's ironic about all of this is that, uh, on, on Friday, I'll do kind of a, uh, I'll do every Friday. I'll just get on and I'll talk about what's going on. Could be the pandemic and explaining what's going on, explaining what we do and so forth. Thousands of people listen to all that thing. That's mm-hmm. good. 
But we were doing, my wife and I, uh, I'm on a kind of a medical sabbatical, still kind of getting stronger right now. But we were doing a prayer meeting Monday night, still not long ago, and every Monday night prayer request. Now, was, was, what I noticed during even the pandemic with people dying and so many cases going on, out of pages and pages and pages of prayer requests, uh, I didn't get to pray for the virus. There might be one person, pray for the, for the coronavirus. Everything was still back with healing of this, dealing with uh, my son, dealing with drugs, yeah. my marriage. Sure. Same, old, same stuff that we would normally pray for if there was no pandemic or not. Same issues are still dealing with th- that people are dealing with. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and complaining does not draw God closer to you to complain about your situation. Mm-hmm. He doesn't inhabit the praises of your complaining. <laughs> uh, you, you're, you're going to have to quit complaining about your situation. Yeah. You're going to have to look at the scriptures, make a declaration in the midst of wherever you're at on a daily basis. I have a man named Oscar in my church. He was sent home um, four to five stage. I don't know what stage. He was four or five stage. He was the worst there was of cancer. Eaten up. His entire body was gone. I told him to keep coming up during the prayer time to pray for him. He'd walk up. Doctor said, I'm, you know, they just sent me home to die, Pastor. I said, well, we're going to believe that God's, listen, uh, short story, God totally healed him. There's no sign of cancer yes. in him at all. Awesome. Uh, what happened, he was a gang guy. He was, he was against police. He shot at people as a young guy. This man now turns around and he helps me at the church. And here his life was going down the drain with this cancer that he had totally healed of this. So I, I'm saying, you know, well, well, do I get the book and it would be a guaranteed I get healed? No, there's no guarantee because God's the one that really calls the shots and flips the coin. I mean, I don't know how he chooses or whatever, but apparently I would basically make myself valuable enough for him to bring me back. I kind of wonder sometimes if why should God bring some people? Have they done anything? I don't know. You know, because people will tell you, Michael, will tell you, oh, apparently God's not through with you. Oh, well, so he was through with Bobby. He was through with Mike. Then I guess what? He just let them go. So it's, it's kind of odd. I know he's not through, but you know what? We, we, we need to, we need to totally submit and get everything. The book's going to explain it all. I can't really go through yeah, it all. Absolutely. I have so many good things that actually help people in different areas. And that's what I'm saying. I'm giving it to every sick person that I know, everybody yes. that has somebody in their family mm-hmm. that's still, I still have my daughter is totally handicapped. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'm still dealing with what I'm dealing with here, but God is, is still miraculously doing something in our lives, in our situation. Always remember, Michael, that everything starts of God's miracles in the dark. Yeah. Everything Mm -hmm. starts. You're being, you're being developed in the dark. Pictures Mm -hmm. used to be developed in the dark. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, all the, uh, you know, and, and, and all uh, the darkness, all dark darkness has no power. It's the absence of light is all it is. That's right. But in darkness, in your times of darkness, realize that the earth was formed in darkness. You know, darkness was filled the earth, but, but the Lord kept moving. Light would come through that and destroy the darkness. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the, uh, uh, you know, a seed was placed in Eve darkness a child is born in darkness we can go on and on as far as in darkness what god does what i'm talking to people right now in your situation in your dark time right now this is where god births miracles 
He, he births miracles in the dark and brings it to the light. Mm-hmm. And so I want to encourage the people right now that are in situations where it looks impossible. Mine was too. It looks like it's going to take a miracle for me to survive. Same, I'm with you there. Same thing happened to me. Uh, there is no hope. There's no one giving him hope. Doctors say we can't do anything else. Same thing. Doctors said the same thing to me. So I'm encouraging you today that God is the key. He holds the power. He holds every kind of uh, uh, word that you need, power that you need for you to be able to have your miracle. So in Jesus' name, I speak to people, as you have told me, to unwrap grave clothes, sickness, disease, sin. I pray in Jesus' name right now, as Michael and I agree, as two people agreeing, we pray for miracles of our listeners right now and pray that right now, lay their hands on these areas of illness or or pain, and in Jesus' name, I speak. I came back from dead, back to life, to believe for miracles for my family and for my friends that are listening, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name. And I just want to, for those who are listening right now, just want to encourage you. You know, everyone wants a miracle, but they don't want to be put in a position where they need one. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and so the wilderness, a lot of people feel like they're in a dry time and they're in a wilderness. Um, but the wilderness is not a place where miracles are absent. It's a place where miracles are born. That God wants to manifest his love and his power and his word to you in these seasons. And so I just want to encourage you that not to forget the benefits of the Lord, his salvation, his goodness, his mercy, his renewal, his healing, divine healing in the mighty name of Jesus and just cling to the Lord, cling to his promises, decree and declare what the word says about you and just refuse to believe the lies that the enemy tries to whisper into your ear of depression, disappointment, disillusionment, fear, things that are opposite of the word of God. Just let the fruit of the word, just let the word of God be dripping from your lips at all times so that you could truly eat of the fruit of God's word. And so Bless you guys. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Glenn, for joining me. What a powerful story. Your book is um, is truly, I think it's it's rich. It's deep. It's not, it gives you tons of scripture as long as, you know, your story, different aspects of your story, as well as ways to receive healing practically, spiritually. And so I highly recommend people grab a copy of your book, Why Am I Not Healed? And so how do people connect with your ministry as well as get a copy of this book? Yeah, they, thanks, Michael. They they can get this, just go to glenberto.com, G-L-E-N-B-E-R-T-E-A-U. You can go to my website, glenberto.com. You can get it there. And then also on Amazon, it's on Amazon. You can you can go to Amazon sure. and look too. Why am I not yeah. dealing with God promising this on there too? You can order it. Awesome. Thank you for taking the time to be with me, Glenn. Thank you, Michael. And bless you, bro. And thank you for the time that you've given me. And we just believe that a lot of people... We believe we're going to have miracles. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for listening. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so we can get it out to more people so they can be challenged, blessed, inspired by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I look forward to speaking to you next time on Awaken Podcast.